All the deacons were with me. They came to the microphone and told why we should not turn anybody away because of the color of their skin. And then before the vote, I said, now you're going to vote on this thing. And if you vote to shut the door to a person because of his race, you'll no longer be a New Testament church. I said, my wife and my son are in the seat right down here at the front. We're going to get up, get our other kid out of the nursery, and we'll call a moving van and be gone as soon as we can get out. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure, friend, to have you stop by. On occasion, we have the opportunity to visit with some friends that we haven't talked to in a while. And that is the case today as we welcome Pastor John Bomar. Currently, he's serving at Elliston Baptist Church. We've got a journey to share. Brother John, welcome to the show. How long has it been since you've been here with me? Well, I imagine about 20 years. Has it been that long? I think so. Oh, my goodness. It's so hard to believe. The first time I met you, you were teaching at Mid-South Bible College. You were teaching a speech class. You were teaching a hermeneutics, too, weren't you? It was homiletics. Oh, homiletics. Okay. I don't want to get my hermeneutics confused with my homiletics, but it was homiletics, which is delivery of a sermon. Is that correct? Yes. Preparing a sermon? Preparation and Pre- delivery of sermon. And also in speech, I know you taught that there at Mid-South Bible College. You did that for a number of years, didn't you? 35 years. 35 years. You saw the school transition from Mid-South Bible College to Crichton College. Yes. Was Dr. Crichton the one who hired you yes. originally? Yes. How did Dr. Crichton meet you first? When did you first meet him? Well, we had a group in Memphis called Teenagers for Christ, led by Don Johnson, And Dr. Crichton would come on our Tuesday night Bible study events and teach from time to time. (laughs) And that's how I met him. My goodness, Don Johnson, that goes back too. Don's been a dear friend of mine, mutual friend of ours. I know he's enjoying Jesus' presence now. That was a big time. There was a movement of youth in our community back then. There was a lot of youth evangelistic outreaches and crusades. I remember my father and mother-in-law being part of many of those. Part of, was it Jimmy Stroud helped do some of those too? Well, Jimmy had his own group going. Okay. And the one I was with was just strict—it was called Teenagers for Christ. Okay. And it was really just young people. And so what were some of the activities you would do? Do you remember? Well, we had a weekly Bible study and a morning radio broadcast on Sunday morning on uh, W—I think it was on WMC then. Okay. And then we did revival services all over the Mid-South area. Many times it would be like a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sometimes we'd go to just one event, a Sunday event. And then once a year, down at the old Ellis Auditorium, we had what we call a Christmas for Christ revival. And that's how I got to know teenagers. It was through one of those events in 1953. Oh, my goodness. John, I mean, I didn't realize that you had gotten that involved in ministry as a young man. So let's back up a little bit and talk about how long you've been pastoring. That's been a number of years. I started pastoring in, let me see, brother, 59. 1959. 59. Okay, I got to do the math. I'm trying to about sixty-four years. So, thank you. That's my favorite number, sixty-four. Right? <laughs> AM six forty on the AM yeah, dial. Yeah. So you've been preaching for sixty-four years. Do you remember that call to preach? I've talked to pastors before, and they they said, "Well, I, I know specifically. I know that without a doubt that God called me to pastor and to preach His word." When I was working with teenagers for Christ over a period of about a couple of years with them. I began to feel the Lord's call for me to preach. And then Don would give me opportunities to speak at the Bible study group. I was a member of Bellevue Baptist Church then, and they would ask me to do Sunday morning devotions for our youth department, which ran about 40 or 50 people. It just gradually kept impressing on me, the Lord did, that I want you in ministry. 
So I was a member of Bellevue at that time. Dr. R.G. Lee was there. And I went by to see him one Wednesday night following a prayer service on Wednesday. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, John, if you feel that call, it must be from God. That's all I remember in that conversation. But I went home that night, got on my knees by my bed, and I said, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but from this night on, I'm going to preach. Wow. Do you remember the very first sermon you preached? I really don't. That's amazing. Most preachers remember their first sermon. Yeah. So you don't remember a sermon title or a topic or some portion of Scripture that the very first time you preached? I really don't. No, that's okay. I was preaching. One weekend, I remember I had seven speaking engagements, and I was preaching all over the place in those days. (laughs) Did you grow up here in Memphis then? No. uh, I grew up near Paris, Tennessee, and my mother got a job teaching school here in Memphis, and we moved here in 53. Tell me, John, something about Ora Lee Hill Bomar, which was your mother. Yes. Tell me something about her that you learned as growing up as a child. Maybe something about her character, something she instilled in you, a value or something that you've carried with you all these years. Well, she is one of the most dedicated Christians I've ever known. She was faithful in church. And I have in my office the Bible that she used for like 30 or 40 years. And she would read that Bible by cool oil lamp in the evening. And always taught me from the Word things that I should and should not do. And one thing that she taught that I've never quit and never forgot was that every dollar you make, a dime of it belongs to God. And she taught me that. She said, I want you to go out there and cut a tree out of the yard. I'll give you 50 cents, and a nickel of it will go to the church. (laughs) And I've done that ever since. So she really instilled that in you. There was some time in there you met a young lady by the name of Peggy. Now, Peggy grew up somewhere, I think, in Missouri, I believe. Right, uh, southeast Missouri. Southeast Missouri. Is that Haytai? Near Haytai. Near Haytai. Yeah. And attended a school called Braggadocio? Yeah. Braggadocio? That's the name of the school. Close to Bragg City. Close to Bragg City. So Braggadocio High School. Did you ever go with her to a high school dance? When did you meet her? She, when we met, we met at Bellevue Baptist Church. When we met, the school had closed. And we've been back up there for reunions. In fact, they're having another one. But there's still like 30 or 40 of those kids that get together once a year. Her family moved to Memphis? No. She came up here to attend business college. Okay. And got a job here in Memphis. And we were in the same department at Bellevue. And that's how we met. And then she started coming to Teenagers for Christ. And everywhere we went, we ran into one another. (laughs) And so finally one night, New Year's Eve, 1950. What was it? 1958, New Year's Eve. I invited her to go with me to a youth meeting, and it's been that way ever since. Wow. It takes a special woman to be a pastor's wife. Would it you does. agree with that? It does. I guess had a sense of that call, too, really? Cause she did. She said, God called me to be a pastor's wife. I knew that, and I was praying. Yeah. And she said, for a year, I didn't date anyone else waiting for you to ask me out. <laughs> Well, I know Miss Peggy also is instrumental at Mid-South Bible College because of her business background. Right. You know, she worked in the business administration office and I know was a big help and asset to that work there at Mid-South Bible College. She worked there 25 years. Yeah. Together, we put in 60 years at Crichton. My. You know, John, there was some special people there when you worked at uh, Mid-South 
Bible College. We mentioned Dr. James Crichton. Who can forget <laughs> Dr. Crichton yeah. and the way he could present God's Word and systematic theology? And Adrian Rogers would invite Dr. Crichton to come and preach at Bellevue downtown at times. There was Paul Davison, too. It was kind of a small family. Pastor Clark, you know, was also, I don't know if he was a pastor, but one of the teachers there. So you had a chance to work with a great group of men and women. Fantastic personnel. Yeah. I mean, just the seasoned ministry that came together there. I know Paul Davison, I think he was the second graduating class at Dallas Seminary, had been a missionary in Brazil for over 20 years, started a seminary, came back, and what he was able to pour into the students, and you yourself of the, the years that you started as a young man in the ministry, I guess saw a really an opportunity to invest in the pastors and the, the ministers of the next generation. Yes, Dr. Crichton said to me when he talked to me about coming on the faculty, and I was there half-time, actually, was my position. He said, you're multiplying your ministry with these students. And I never forgot that. And today, all these years later, I meet young people everywhere. I was in your class at Crichton College or Mid-South Bible College. It's very rewarding. I can't imagine that it is. Now, God has blessed you and Peggy with two children. Give us an update on your family. Well, Mark and Rachel, they live in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Neither one of them ever married. And they they love the Lord. They witness for the Lord. She's a member of uh, Big Baptist Church down in Olive Branch. I remember back in the days at Mid-South Bible College, your son John played on the basketball team. Mark. Excuse me. Yeah, I meant, to, I meant yeah. to say Mark. Mark played on the basketball right. team. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good player. He was a good player. Yeah. we had, That was probably one of the star players at that time at Mid-South. Yeah. They had me for some reason uh, announcing the games. Mm-hmm. I remember. We had some good times back then. Okay. Not only do you have Mark and Rachel, but there's other two other children, Molly and Cricket. <laughs> now, how much uh, like your children are they and which one is closest to you of the two? You're talking about the two pups. Yeah. <laughs> Cricket is less than a year old. She's a short-haired German pointer, and that's what us country folks would call an old bird dog. (laughs) I don't know why they want a bird dog for a house dog, but that dog tears up everything she can get a hold of, (laughs) and they, they love her to death. You know, John, one of the memories that you and I have together, you remember the Platinum Plus topless dance club that was over on Mount Moriah for a while. Yes. And there was a group of people, citizens for community values, that would go and march around, you know, with signs. And we did something that was quite unique. I remember doing, at the rush hour traffic, a live broadcast from a Christian radio station. We did a live broadcast from the picket line, and you and I marched around with a microphone, and we did interviews. Pat McClurkin joined that group, yes, too. Remember yes, that? Yes. Yeah, we were actually, we were a chapter of the, of the American Family Association, yeah. Don Wildman's group. And I directed that for maybe 10 years. How did you get involved with that? Why, too? Because, you know, pastors have so many responsibilities with their own congregations. Well, it started with the Playboy Channel coming into my home. Uh, It was a teaser they would put on every night, and unsolicited, and that infuriated me because I had a teenage son there. And so we started picketing Cablevision to get that off, which we did after a couple of years. And Don Wildman, of course, had his group out of Tupelo, Mississippi, and he came by my office one afternoon. He said, I want you to lead the Memphis chapter here. And I took it, and we did. Yeah. 
and that work has grown itself, you know, through the radio, oh, yeah. and the American yeah. Family Association yeah. and radio yeah. too. But you stayed active for 10 years, you say? About 10 years. So mm-hmm. what are some other things that you, you got involved with over that time? You remember? Actually, with the college and the church and with, with that group, I didn't have time to get yeah. involved with anything else. You know, it wasn't too long after we did that picket and the live broadcast there that Platinum Plus closed down itself, yes. if you remember right. Yeah, I never knew the reason, actual cause. We just figured God shut it down. Yeah, yeah. We well, you know there's a story back in the day when Adrian Rogers would drive down Poplar Avenue, of course, when Bellevue was downtown over at Jefferson and Bellevue, right there on the corner of Cleveland and Poplar before there's a Kroger store there now. But there used to be these little shotgun stores and kind of a house or two there. And a couple of them were, you know, those type of establishments, Mm -hmm. you know. And I remember Adrian Rogers said that every time he would go by, he would say, Lord, close those places down, close those places down, and invited the church, you know, to to pray that same thing. And within a, I don't know, not too long after that, those places were gone. They bulldozed them down, built a parking lot and put a Kroger store there. And that's been that way for many, many years. Mm So part of some that would say, why would Christians want to get involved with, you know, or isn't the, shouldn't the church be involved with the gospel and the ministry of the church, you know, proclaiming Christ and, and I say the gospel, doing missions? Why should it get involved with cultural issues like that? Well, as far as pornography went, which it was, I wanted my children to know my stand regarding pornography. And the kids I was teaching— in my church and at the college, I felt it was a responsibility on the Lord to take a stand. Yeah. And I've never regretted it. John, what have been some of the more challenging times through your ministry, just reflecting back over 64 years? Has there, has there been a, a period that you are wondering where you're going to make it through a, a difficult time, real challenging time? Most difficult time, Byron, was... Let's see, it was in 1969, my seventh anniversary at the Capelville Brookside Church. Changed the name, so we call it Capelville Brookside. And we were running buses, or we were going to start a bus ministry. And we had folks in that church that said, you'll never integrate this church. And so I was trying to smooth it over and let it wear itself out, but it wouldn't wear itself out. And they said, if you don't do something, we're going to do something, that small group in the church. So I called a business meeting on a Sunday morning. After the Sunday service, we had an hour-long business meeting. And all the deacons were with me. They came to the microphone and told why we should not turn anybody away because of the color of their skin. And then before the vote... I said, now, you're going to vote on this thing, and if you vote to shut the door to a person because of his race, you'll no longer be a New Testament church. I said, my wife and my son are in the seat right down here at the front. We're going to get up, get our other kid out of the nursery, and we'll call a moving van and be gone as soon as we can get out. Oh, my. And the vote was taken. 87% supported it. John, that was at a period really— tough in our city. That was about a year after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in our city, which was a horrible thing that took place. And there was so much division. There was few—there were churches. There were men like yourself that were willing to stand up for what was right, 
Like you said, this is not this is a biblical issue. And these are the things we're seeing deal with our culture today and our society today when it comes with race. And the, and the Bible is very specific about the gospel is a gospel for all nations. Amen. And God doesn't consider the color of skin. It's a, it is what Dr. King said, a matter of the heart, right? It's a heart right. that needs to be changed. Yeah. And only Jesus Christ with the gospel, the power of the gospel can change a heart. Amen. Well, after we opened the doors, we had a missionary from Africa who was home on furlough and worked as my associate for a year. We had about 100 African-American kids that would come to Sunday school. Amazing, brother. You mentioned capable because there was, you know, <laughs> at one time there was a lot of little communities within the greater Memphis area. Mm-hmm. You know, even mm-hmm. Frazier was almost like its little town in Raleigh. Yeah. Like you said, capable. It was unincorporated area, but it right. was kind of its own little community, right? Yes. And a lot of that's just kind of been overtaken by Memphis mm-hmm. proper because it was capable Baptist for many, many years. And then as you changed the name, why, why was the name changed? to? Well, it was founded in 1920 as Capoville Baptist Church. They met in an old broom factory that had been abandoned. And gradually over the years, they were able to add on until we had facilities for every age group and all of that. But we were in a high crime location out there. And after we had been robbed a time or two, we knew that we we needed to move out for the safety of our members. And also everybody was moving east. So we moved out on Germantown Road near Shelby Drive, changed the name to Brookside. We didn't want a name that would identify with a special community. And then about 16 years after that, Everybody moved toward Mississippi, and so we moved down there out of Olive Branch on Highway 302. Oh, that's where the church is now? Right, and okay. that's where I retired. Okay, yeah. Uh, so are you considered the pastor of emeritus there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they, they give you some privilege or rights? Or they gave me an office there. They gave you an office there. <laughs> yeah. But now recently you were telling me that you have been the interim pastor at Elliston Baptist? Is that right? Or Well, for all practical purposes, I'm the pastor. You're the pastor. I, but— uh, you know, when I went there, I thought I'd be there a few months till they'd call a pastor. Well, a few months became a few years, and I celebrated my 10th anniversary there just <laughs> a few weeks ago. Do you mind me asking your age? I am, let me think, 85. 85 years <laughs> yeah. old. Wow, that's amazing. For 10 years now, you've been at Elliston. Right. Now, I think not too long ago, there was some kind of fire on the property. Yes, we had an abandoned building behind the church. A homeless person set fire to back there. Yeah. And it almost set fire to the main building. Blew out some windows yeah. in the main building and and the fire truck was able to get in there and put it out. Yeah. But it burned that building to the ground. Not mistaken, there was a partnership at one time, the campus there, because that used to be Elliston uh, Baptist Academy. Right, right. And there used to be a, a gymnasium mm-hmm. there. A relationship with Memphis Athletic Ministries, I believe at one time, was using that facility to do after-school programs in ministry and to share the gospel. Is that still happening? No, uh, they had stopped that work there when I went there 10 years ago. A Guatemalan group, Guatemalan pastor and his congregation now own that building. Okay. And they have a f- fantastic facility back there, multitudes attending the services on Sunday. I actually have cousins 
attended Elliston Baptist Academy. Mm-hmm. And over on Pfizer, which is just around the corner street there, where I had an aunt and uncle that lived when my parents went through a divorce, my mom and I lived over there for a while. So I'm familiar with the neighborhood. Yeah. Do you remember the Frosty Root Beer place there? On Getwell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getwell and Quince, yeah. The big, oh my goodness, they don't make them that like that anymore, John. <laughs> the big on the big top, they had the the frosted mug. I'm not a root beer fan, so I never had one. Well, you're a Baptist, you're not supposed to, I guess. <laughs> just no, I don't like it. Tried it twice in my life. Yeah, didn't like it either well, time. I, I just, but I remember where it was. Yeah, you remember that? Okay? Oh yeah, they make good burgers too, John. Have you ever? question your call into the ministry. No. Never have. No. Never have. What are some things the newer generation of preachers are doing that you've noticed that you appreciate? Well, the man who succeeded me at Brookside had been my student at Mid-South Bible College. He is totally solid in doctrine and takes a stand against evil in every way. And I know there are a lot of other guys coming out of Mid-America Seminary now who are very solid in the Word and they oppose things that are contrary to the Word of God, and that's encouraging to see. Yeah, that is encouraging. Would you have a warning or helpful instruction that you would give to a new pastor that's starting his first church? Yeah, I would have a word for him. Take it easy the first year. <laughs> Don't go in there like gangbusters, try to change everything. <laughs> have, you, have you seen a lot of pastors do that? Oh, yeah. They'll go to a conference and hear a pastor talk about what he's done. They go back and try to do it. Yeah. They're gone pretty soon. Yeah. You know, I remember one of the classes at Mid-South Bible College was with Robert Dennison. I think it was Bible study methods. And he was talking to young preachers. And he said, if you've got something you think's new, he said, let it simmer for six months, Mm -hmm. you know, before you preach it. Is that some advice you would give preachers? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. John, what's the biggest challenge for a church to be biblically based, gospel-centered in today's culture? The challenge is, if you really stand true and firm to all the Word of God— you're going to have a lot of opposition, you're going to have a lot of criticism, and you've just got to stay faithful. Yeah. How would you think the church could better follow Christ's command to make disciples of all nations in today's world? Be a witness wherever you are. Yeah. Be a witness where you work, a witness to people you meet in everyday encounters, and and pray and preach missions. Yeah, are, are we seeing— the church send out less missionaries compared to when you started? I mean, I remember there at one time I seemed like there was more uh, connection with missionaries through local church ministries, you know? Well, my life has been involved with Southern Baptist missions, and I have a few independent missionary friends. But I think Southern Baptists are still having a lot of response from young people across our convention to go overseas and, and be involved in international mission work. Yeah. John, what does an 85-year-old preacher do in his leisure time? Study, (laughs) work. You still study. You still work. I work around the house a lot since I've been retired. As we start to wrap up the program today, John, um, is there any portion of Scripture that you've been meditating on lately that's encouraged you or maybe you've read a hundred times but stands out to you in a fresh way now? Well, Byron, I have, I have looked at it so many times across the years that I probably can't even tell you where it's located. I think it's 2 Timothy 2.21. And it says, if any person will purge himself, cleanse himself from these evil things, he shall be a vessel for honor, dedicated to the Lord, prepared for every good work. I read that every morning when I get out of bed. I love that. 
I love that. You know, it, it's so easy, because even Hebrews talks about lay, us, lay aside the things that right. entangle us, and it kind of fits there together, right? Yeah. And, and it's so easy to allow that. Remember that we need to have a confession time, right? Mm. And, and repent time. Right. You know? And, and there's, there's things that like idols that can even can impact us as Christ followers. Definitely. We've got to guard our hearts. And, and, the, and also the scripture says, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Amen. Yeah. Well, John, this has been really great to have you in. What's the best advice or word you have for the church for tomorrow's generation? Teach and preach the Bible. That's it. If we stay true to Scripture, God will take care of it growing. Yeah, yeah. You've lived and preached Scripture and the Bible for so many years, you know, and you, you, you found it to be reliable, haven't you? Yes. Uh, I've read through the New Testament about 110 times now. Wow. Not many people have done that. Yeah. You've got to familiarize yourself with the Word of God. Yes. And it'll come to you day after day when you need it most. Yeah. And that's what's so wonderful, you know, about the Scripture and God filling us with the Holy Spirit, too, you know, that He doesn't leave us or forsake us. Yeah. And we have that, that fellowship with him through his Holy Spirit and through the, the Bible, through his word, as you said. It's so reliable, which I'm so thankful for. Amen. Well, God bless you, John. This has been wonderful. Uh, do you do you spend much time on social media? Do, if somebody wanted to uh, send you an email or contact you, can you do that? They can text me. They can te- Oh, you text? They can text me. Okay. Do you want to give a number? Sure. Okay. What's that? 901 355 0939. 901-355-0939. Okay. Uh, wow. John, this has been great. God bless you and Peggy. Uh, we talked recently because we, we have an event coming up for our uh, pastor's yeah, wives yes. luncheon, and Miss Peggy was going to come, and then a schedule changed. But while I had you on the phone, I thought, well, I've got to get John <laughs> you know, in here at the studio because it's been way too long. I always enjoy our friendship and fellowship together and just having just some, just some conversation about the Lord, about ministry, reflecting back over your years. Amen. What a, what a praise to God. We've got, a, we've got a future to look forward to and enjoy together, right, John? Just celebrate in the resurrection. Yes. <laughs> and we can celebrate that every day, too. Oh, right? yeah. Wow, it's beautiful. Well, God bless you, my brother. John Bomar, thank you for what you have done so faithfully for 64 years and continue to do for Christ and His kingdom. Thank you. Thank you, Byron. I appreciate this radio station. Thank you so much. And you and your good work. Do you you have a favorite program or things you like about Bot Radio? I don't have a favorite program. I just tune in when I can. Yeah, yeah. We always appreciate that. Thanks so much, John. Okay. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Midtown Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Mid-South Viewpoint. The show is archived for on-demand listening on our website at botradionetwork.com or via your favorite podcast platform like Spotify and iTunes. Some of our shows have videos as well and can be viewed on YouTube at Byron Tyler Radio. Stay tuned to Bot Radio Network to fill your day with God's Word.